I'm from Boaz, Alabama, originally. Uh, I live in Gold Springs now. Before you ask, I did not bring the snakes with me today. Uh, where I'm from is, is locally known as a snake handling place, even though that's, that's not true at all. Uh, unless you're in Fife, and that's not where I'm from. So. But after I told Mike I didn't bring it with me, he said it probably would have been okay. So there's an opportunity there. Uh, but I am thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be here in this service with you guys and to be able to bring the word to you this morning. Uh, before we jump into the word, I do want to uh, share something with you. I thought it was really cool. Um, there was a boy in the late 90s, a boy in the late 90s, whose dad had just built him a tree house. Um, he was so excited that he invited all the neighborhood kids. Um, this tree house had it all. Had a lot of different features. It had a swing cell in the front, had a ramp going up to it. It was two stories tall. It even had a, a, a floor that would come open like a door. There's a rope swing going down so he could escape from his enemies. There was a fireman's pole to the side that you could jump on, and, and he would go down, and the pole would take you down to the creek below. So he was super excited about this treehouse. Uh, spent a lot of time. A long time waiting for it. So it, all the kids from the neighborhood started coming over. And of course they would climb on it. Spend hours and hours, weeks and weeks of the summer. Just spending time in this tree house. Well, there was one day in particular. Whenever a few of the neighborhood kids had come over. And the boy decided that he wanted to really show off how well he could climb. Now obviously a tree house is made to climb. But there just as anything else, there are, there are times when you don't climb. There are, there are places where you don't climb on a treehouse. Well, he threw all of those things out the window, and he decided to step over the railing of the second story treehouse. Well, he's climbing around. He's, he's showing off, if you will. But then his hand slips. He starts to fall. And an instant, just like that, one of the boys reaches out, grabs his arm, and pulls him back. Obviously, there was a little panic there between the three of them as they pulled the boy back over the railing to safety. Then, the boy who had pulled him back across the railing asked him a very intentional question. For that boy was a preacher's son. He said, have you been saved? Well, the boy looked at him and thought this was a silly question. He said, have you missed everything that just happened? Have you missed all of, of, of this? You just saved me. Yes, I've been saved. He said, no, that's not what I mean. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Are you going to heaven. Perspective is a powerful thing. Perspective is something that I've always found really interesting. I love sociology. I love psychology. I love understanding how people can read the same thing or, or see the same thing or, or hear the same thing and come to two very different conclusions. Our perspective for the most part, is developed by our upbringing, our socioeconomic status, uh, our families, our, our 
Um, some of us are extremely goal-driven. We're hungry. We're going after it. Or some of the some of us are more meek, tender-hearted, loving, and that's who we are. That's 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 our perspective on things are based around that. But I have found this to be true in every different perspective. All of our perspectives are molded by our deepest desires, by the desires of our hearts. I'll put it in, in Boaz language for you. What we want drives us. What we want drives us. Luke 24, we see a similar situation. Let me set the scene before we read the text. Jesus has just been crucified. Everything the apostles thought to be true about what was supposed to happen has essentially fallen on its face. They're, they're kind of disoriented at this point. So we see where a few of them had gone to the tomb to honor Jesus. But when they got there, it was empty. So they run back and they tell the rest of them. There's two different perspectives. Some of them got excited. Everything we thought would happen is going to happen. But then you also had those who doubted. Had those who were in the same group of people, see the same thing, heard the same thing, they doubt. Some saw the truth of the risen Savior. Some of them still needed more proof. We find ourselves in Luke chapter number 24. And if you are physically able, I would encourage you to stand with me as we read God's Word with me, starting in verse number 13 of Luke 24. The Word says this, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Verse number 18 says this, Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart, to believe all of the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and 
enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were at, they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Verse 32 says this, They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We pray that you will just open our hearts today, that you will make it evident who you are and what you've done for us. We love you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. So, I love this encounter. I love it. Because what we see is something really cool. We see that how our perspective really breaks down how we truly feel and think. And even to the point where we think we know something when it's actually the very opposite of what we think we know. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. We, we have this idea of the way things are supposed to be. We, we think we've got it all figured out. We think we know. But then something happens in our life and everything we thought we knew is out the window. Everything we thought we knew is proven to be less credible than we thought it was. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing something really interesting happen to these two men who in that day would have been believers. We look at verse number 15. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Let's pay attention there for a second. It says, from recognizing him. The Greek word that is used in this passage, and then a little bit farther on, whenever we see it later, literally means this. It means to become thoroughly acquainted with, or to know thoroughly, or to know accurately or to know quickly. So, we see something really interesting here. Even in verse number 19, if we look back, it says this. It says, And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all of the people. Jesus shows us here a very specific mind frame, a very specific perspective that I think a lot of us probably have. So what Jesus is showing us here is that there, there's, there's a, a facade or an identity of who Christ is. And, and this morning, I want us to consider it this way, that Jesus is a story. Or that Jesus is a fairy tale. Or, the one that's probably most applicable to us this morning, Jesus is a social standard. Jesus is a social standard. What do you mean by that? In the South, specifically in our area, even though this is becoming less and less true, it's still the truth, still the majority, that the majority of our population would say that it is taboo not to be a professing believer. It, would, it is taboo not to be a Christian. 
The majority of us would all agree to that. Even though we would have different opinions, we had different, um, different thoughts on theology or what, what have you, we all come back to the same place. We all come back to Christ. We, we pray at our family gatherings. We, we have all these different things that we do. Why do we do it? For a lot of people this morning, it's because it's a socioeconomic, I guess you would say a cultural thing. It's, it's who we're expected to be. It's not truly who we are, but it's who we're expected to be. And that's where we see these two men. It literally says that they, they're, they're in his presence, but he, he says he kept him from recognizing him. But it's a beautiful picture of, of what's happening. It's a beautiful picture of, of what's going on in our culture. So I, I want us to keep that in our mind. Jesus as a social standard. That's one identity of Jesus. We move forward. Let's look at verse number 21. Verse number 21 says this, But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. This form of Jesus I call the get-out-of-jail-free Jesus, or the conqueror Jesus, or even the government leader Jesus. Because in this time, that's who a lot of the people were expecting Jesus to be. They expected him to ride in on his horse, to go into the courts, to just start wiping everything out. Starting everything new. That was an expectation. And I would go as far as to say, in some of our lives today, that is still the expectation that we're looking to Jesus as, as a government figure, as, as a conqueror, or in some of our lives, a get out of jail free card. Because what happens? We have this mentality of, of sinfulness, we have this mentality. And that's our human nature. But what we do is we, we act on that sin continuously. We act on that sin all the time. And we just expect that Jesus is going to be the get-out-of-jail-free card to where we can sin, we can sin, and then gain forgiveness. Two perspectives of who Jesus is. We move forward. Verse number 25. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? This is the cool part, guys. I really want you to pay attention. Verse number 27 says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, entered, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So let's, let's put this in perspective for a second, guys. This is, is the teacher Jesus, right? This is a little bit closer to, to, to where we need to be. This is, this is the Jesus that, that's good. This is the Jesus that we need. He literally walks alongside of them. He, he sees an area that needs to grow, and he points it out to them. And this was not your morning devotional, guys. This was not the... The, the, your quiet time, your Bible reading, your prayer time in the morning. No, it says that he expounded upon Scripture, he spent time with them, and they grew. This is, this is the part. This is the part that gets me. It says that he expounds on the things of himself. This is a lesson on the Messiah by the Messiah. This is a lesson on who is to come by the one who's there. Is that not cool? I'm sorry, 
about that. I'm sorry I have a tendency of my voice going up and down. I'm not 100% sure that I'm as old as what I say I am. I have my moments. You just have to bear with me, okay? But it's exciting. It's exciting. Because what we see is a man who's willing to pour in solely on this form of Jesus, we still fall short. If we rely solely on an academic version of Jesus, we still fall short. So this is where we are. This is where we are so far. So we have the, the, the social status Jesus. We have the government or the get out of jail free Jesus, which really what we need to do is we need to take these two and just push them to the side because they're not accurate depictions of who Jesus is. We have to let go of those things. We have to push those to the side. But now we have the, the teacher, Jesus. But what can happen here, if we're not careful, is that we can take this teacher, Jesus, and we can mold him into just a moral man, a, a good prophet, right? Is that not what the scripture said? So he was a prophet. He's a good guy. So we even see to this point, these two people still don't have a clear idea of who Jesus is. They recognize that he speaks with authority. They recognize that he, he, he's different. But they're still short by just a little bit. This, this is where the rubber meets the road. Verse 28 says this. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Now, right here, verse 30, this is the meat. This is, this is where everything's at. If you hear nothing else I say, hear this. Verse 30 says, When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, Blessed and broke it and gave it to them. What? Okay, I, I might know something that you don't know, so I'm going to share it with you. So at this point, when they go into this man's house, whenever they, they're, they're going to stay with you, this thing that Jesus did, he, he made a shift. He made a transition at this point. He went from being a man to God. He went from being the, the figure who's just kind of walking along to the host because the host broke bread. The leader broke bread. The father the father broke bread. And it says in verse 31 and their eyes were open and they recognized him. We're back. We're back to this recognition. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, this is the part that, that should, should break our hearts this morning. Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Have you allowed God to open? 
Are you walking alongside of him, thinking that you know him? you discount Jesus as a story? Something that's far off? Do you expect him to be a conqueror of earthly things? Do you look at him as only a moral teacher? Someone who, who has good things to say, not as the same. I implore you this morning. I beg you this morning. Will you drop your guard? Will you let your walls down? Will you be vulnerable? Women, men, be vulnerable. Will you allow the one who gives purpose, who rights wrongs, Who loves you no matter where you've been, where you are. Will you allow for him to open your eyes this morning? I can speak to the seniors, or I can speak to us all when I say this. Every step we take is a potential mind that is there trying to destroy us. Open your eyes to where you can see the minefield. To where you have someone holding your hand who is pulling you through and showing you the path. Change your perspective this morning. Come, seek after Christ with all of your heart. Stop living in this storybook, government, or educational Christianity. Be emotional. Be available. There was a boy in the late 90s who almost fell from a treehouse. I'm so thankful that I did. Because it was that event that catapulted me towards Christ. And I invite you this morning to be into the spread again. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are always with us. You are always watching us. That your perspective should be ours, that your will should be ours. But Father, I'm thankful for those who are hurting. We're all broken. We're all dealing with something. Our hearts are heavy because the world is heavy. But Father, I pray this morning that someone whose their hearts have been hardened, they've been hurt, that they're, that they're disconnected, that they will look to you and see you for who you are, the host, the Father. Father, I pray that you will change someone's life this morning. They will run to you and know that you are the purpose of their life. Please follow. Here is this one.